Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. You're listening to Dave and Dia, a podcast about basketball, life, and the Portland Trailblazers. Please keep all hands and arms inside the window and welcome your hosts, Dave Decker and Dia Miller. That's right, Trailblazers fans. It is time once again for Dave and Dia. Actually, we just decided that alphabetically I'm not inherently more important, uh, but you know... (laughs) Well, we may change it to Dia and Dave at some point. I guess it depends on how the stars align. If, uh, you know, uh, Inside Edition or Hollywood Squares come calling and asking for Dia, I suppose we better put you first. How are you doing today, Dia? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. It's been It's been one of those days that you just, you hit five o'clock in the evening and you think, is it time for bed yet? Because it's dark. It's dark. That means I can go to sleep now, right? Well, it's one of those days for me where I hit five o'clock in the evening. It's like, I'm still working. (laughs) It's like, I'm not even half done. I know we've been in this time change now for more than like a little while. I should be adjusted, but it just throws, it's 3.30 in the afternoon and I think it's time to eat dinner. It just throws everything off. You know what that is, Dia? You're getting old. It's going to (laughs) be. I refuse. I refuse to. uh, To I no. You are like six months away from the coupon special at the four o'clock buffet. It's the same food. The same food. It's cheaper. You just go in an hour (laughs) early. It's not crowded. No one gets in your way. You can have all the meatloaf you want. And you can go to bed by six (laughs) o'clock. See, there you go. The best of both worlds. Where do I find such a magical place? Oh my gosh. Now it's going to, all you need is a back in my day and to get off my lawn and you're all set. I walked to school uphill in the snow both ways. <laughs> Imagine, okay, our kids, <laughs> I hoverboarded to school uphill both ways. Right. Sometimes the charge didn't even make it. Right. Sometimes I had to carry it. Yeah, exactly. Wow. I had to, <laughs> I had to plug it in when I got to school. Oh man, such a world, such a world we live in. Yeah, well, and back in my day, Damian Lillard shot only from half court. Nowadays, they're shooting full court as soon as they rebound it. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Oh Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So you rode through the early 90s and remember like the three-point shot it was just kind of, it was something that Terry Porter did and created a lot of excitement. Of course, Kiki Vandeweghe before him, but it was a thing that you weren't really supposed to do. It was like one of those weird gimmicky things. And now what would the NBA be without the three-point shot? 
Uh, it's just incredible. The I mean, and and Damian Lillard just nonchalantly launching from logos and half court lines. It's like you know who cares? Uh, okay, the old school coaches would have been, "What are you doing? That's a horrible shot." And he's like, "You know, it's in my range." Yeah, it's interesting, you know, to see these guys launch it from half court like it's nothing. I mean, you see Dame do that; it looks like he's just shooting a free throw. Like the guy does it with such ease. It's insane. And it's same thing. I don't know if you saw the video that was circulating of Steph Curry shooting from like the exit door on the second floor. And it's like they I mean, they're going to be playing from the parking lot pretty soon. Like we're we're getting we're just getting farther and farther and farther. And it's insane. I can make a free throw. No problem. But like it probably looks like it takes me some effort. For me to make a three-point shot, it looks like I just run a half marathon. Like, they make it look like it's the easiest thing in the world, like breathing. And I'm over here, like, huffing and puffing and having to sit down after I try to take that shot. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I like the Steph Curry video. It was a great answer to Dame, intentional or not. I mean, because that Dame video was made rounds. I mean, it was in Portland, but it got other places as well. And then it was just hilarious to see Steph shooting from the stands. Like, remember me? I invented it. <laughs> Welcome right. to my 2016. Yeah, I saw something where they were going back and forth and Steph was like, I'll do it from half court if you do it to ha- from half court to Dame. So that'll be interesting to see as as the season, you know, with Steph being back this year. I, I wonder how that's going to play out if they're going to kind of go back and forth with stuff like that. That that could be fun. Oh, gosh. Okay, let's ask this. This is off topic. We weren't going here, but Clay Thompson, there's a certain sadness that we won't see the Warriors fully back. There's also a certain relief. I mean, you don't ever want anybody to get injured, but okay, the Warriors automatically, by virtue of their history, probably went up to top two or three in the conference, or at least have a chance of it, right? If they come back healthy. Clay, I think, puts a major dent in that. Do you also feel like they're not the same without Clay? And are you more sad, more relieved, or some of each? Yeah, I mean, I think you take a player like Clay Thompson out and it changes everything. You can't take him out and expect it to be the same team. It's just not going to be. When you have players like that, it makes a difference. You feel the impact. I am always, no matter how much it helps my team, it's always devastating to me to see an injury like that, especially in a situation like this where he was playing a pickup game outside of the season. Like, it's just devastating. And I always think about, like, how that must feel to these guys who, again, they love this game and this is their livelihood. And I know that they make a lot of money and I know that that's an argument that's sometimes made. But the fact of the matter is this is how they support their family and it's their job. And and it's also something they love. And that just has to be a devastating thing, to, especially having had Steph Curry out the last year and then he's back. And then to have that kind of an injury, like, man, that's just, it sucks. Like, I don't ever want to wish injury on anyone. I would really like to wish that some of these guys could just forget how to play basketball all of a sudden, like that I'll wish. But I, you know, an injury like that, that's, that's just, that's devastating. Yeah. I don't understand where the money factors into it. Honestly, I get that it's a large paycheck, but when you've worked your whole life for something, A, it's your passion B, and that's your body. Okay, that's your body right. there. That's not an abstract thing. To the rest of us, it's a stat or a tool or whatever. That's literally you that's breaking right. apart. And you don't know if you're able, ever going to be able to do your thing again in the same way. That's a whole nother level. And as a human being, talking about other human beings, I wish they were all healthy all the time. 
okay, Blazers fans, I get it. We've Greg Oden, we've Sam Bowie, we've done a lot of stuff, more than our fair share, I understand. At the same time, I don't wish that on anybody else. All right, if we're going to beat the Lakers, I want to beat the Lakers. I want to. I don't want to beat the Lakers without LeBron. I want to beat the Lakers. Otherwise, you know, right. hey, sure, it'll count. And yes, it'll go in the history books. But you've got to be ready to take anyone anywhere at full strength and overcome them. That's the joy of it. This whole jockeying for a position thing because someone, someone else's misfortune, just not my cup of tea. Yeah, I agree. I'm somebody that I don't want someone to let me win. If I'm going to win, I want to earn it. And, you know, there's an interesting thing that's going on with football right now with the Pac-12 where Washington can't compete because of COVID. And so U of O is getting to step in and take their place competing in the finals. Football is not my sport. I, I think it's, <laughs> it's OK. You're allowed. Anyway, but I see something like that. And there's the, the Oregon Ducks fan in me that wants to be like, yes, you know, we get to we get to go to the. <laughs> Clearly, I'm a huge fan to the finals, but there's this competitive part of me that's like this. This sucks. Like, that's not how you want to win. And and I mean, we talked a lot last season about the asterisk on the season. And I feel like those are the kinds of things that put an asterisk on it. Like when you didn't fully earn it, if like you said, you want to beat the Lakers with LeBron. If LeBron's out and you beat the Lakers, there's always going to be somebody saying, well, if LeBron had been in there, you wouldn't have won. And I don't want to hear that. I want to win fair and square, and I want people to respect the fact that I won. Yeah, it's funny. People are like, Dave, what other sports do you love? And I'm like, or do you follow? I'm like, dude, <laughs> Trailblazers play 82 games a year plus the playoffs, <laughs> and then there's a draft, and then there's free agency, and you get like eight weeks. And this week, the eight weeks was eight days to, right. to, to like think about anything else. And we still publish like three articles a day in the off season. What else do you want me to follow? What do you think I do? <laughs> right. I mean, right. like, I just yeah. sit there, come out of the closet and watch sports, and and then go back in the closet and plug myself in to regenerate. It's yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I'll sit and watch sports. I like sports. I'll sit and watch golf, to be honest. I mean, I, wow. I, if I, well, I played golf, so I think I like okay, it. Okay. There but you go. That explains it. Yep. There's a sense in which I like to watch people compete. So, you know, I'll watch baseball. I'll watch football. I like them. I don't understand the ins basketball. I know the ins and outs. I know how it works. I know the technicalities. I know, I know so much more about it. Whereas football, it's like, the guys kick the ball to the other guys and then go try to get it. Like, just hold on to it in the first place and we'd be a lot better off. That's an exaggeration. I mean, I, I get it. I understand. I know. I'm cracking just, up honestly. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. I know. It's just, it's just, it's just a totally different, I, I just don't watch it in the same way. But, you know, it is what it is. Basketball is much more fun. We're back this week. We got to see it. They came back. Preseason, I know it's preseason. We got into that last time. Totally counts for me. How are you feeling after we've seen these preseason games? How are you feeling? I like the offense a lot. Let's start there. This was not the energetic ex response that I expected. I like the offense a lot. Well, that is not energetic. I'm trying to think of how to say it. I'm, I'm trying to hear. I'll put energy in the explanation. Okay. Offense always involves decisions, right? Every player out there is making multiple decisions at multiple times. But when the offense is really good, you don't even notice that. It's like the ball flows like water and it's naturally following the course it should and every shot looks easy. That's where the Blazers have been when they've been playing with their regular players, which admittedly small sample size, of course, but it looks 
beautiful, effortless. You don't even, you don't see the ball stop. You don't see anybody holding it or dribbling over much. Even Dame and CJ, Carmelo Anthony, okay, he just looks like part of the offense. You can see not only the play develop, but once that shot went up, you can reverse engineer it back and go, well, duh, it's like the V8 motion. Of course that happened because that's the thing that should have happened. And that's just incredible. I love that aspect of the game. Uh, for them, I think it's going to be great. This is only going to get better. The defense still haven't seen quite yet, but uh, that's a work in progress. They got to get used to each other. Uh, how about you? What are your impressions? I mean, first of all, I'm just stinking thrilled. I mean, I just about cried when the you know they go on, they take the court, the game starts. It's like I just I was so excited. I was so excited. This is just going to be a fun year. This is going to be a fun year as a Blazer fan. I think. The offense was good. Like you said, I mean, I'm going to be a little more enthusiastic about it. The offense was amazing to watch. It was so much fun. You know, they were sinking shots. The ball was moving. They were playing together. And at that first game, they had only had three practices together. And that just blew my mind to watch them play that way, having had only three practices. These new guys that we've added, I think, are going to be a great fit. It was fun to watch them all seem to really enjoy playing together. I I like this. Another reason I like preseason games. They just look so happy. You know, they're out there doing what they love. It doesn't count. They get to kind of play around with some things and they just look so dang happy. And it's just fun to watch. I think that the defense was a very happy change from last year. So, yeah, it may not be perfect. But we were playing it. There was defense. There were things happening. And after the year that we had last year, that felt huge to me. I think the wings got beat a little more than I expected one-on-one, especially against Sacramento. And I think the centers need to find their timing. First of all, Cantor. Oh, boy. Cantor. (laughs) Two years. Now, let's let's just remember, we have Cantor instead of Mario. Yeah. No, I understand. Just saying. That's it. The defense needs about as much help as it did two years ago. This is not, he's not going to be a stopper. Let's put it that way. But on the, on the second unit, you probably don't have to be. That second unit just wants to score, uh, outscore right. the right. opponent, right? So good enough. God bless him. Nurkic, I think, is a while to go before true game shape. He was moving a little slow out there. And let's not kid ourselves in the Blazers defensive scheme, the center bears a lot of responsibility and aptly so because Nurkic can do it, but it's really obvious when the center's not moving well. Uh, the, the rotations are late. The three-point arc gets open. Uh, people are left on an island one-on-one, even inside. So yeah, I, I think a little bit of uh, cardio And a little bit of experience will hopefully do wonders. But I'm waiting to see on that because we've been promised this for a long time. I mean, Aminu and Harkless had pretty good defense and they did well. I mean, they did well. But we're looking for this defense to do more. Yes, we're looking for this defense to be, if not transformative, at least give the Blazers a positive chance to win instead of being something you just survive and hope to overcome. That I think we have yet to see. You're right. You're right. Again, preseason, and they know that it's preseason. And you have to wonder how much that plays into some of this. You know, they don't want to get hurt. They don't want to push too hard. This is really an opportunity to kind of get into the groove, 
see what's going to work, try some different people together now that they are, you know, they've got this team put together that hasn't played together yet. Stotts is going to run some different combinations and things like that and see what's going to work. Seeing them lose that second game to Sacramento was, you look at that score and you think, ouch, because it's Sacramento. But I have to look at that, though, and see the way that they were playing and some of the things that they were doing that we haven't really seen and, and man, it was just fun. It was just fun to watch these guys go at it. And I, I don't know, Dave, I, I think we're going to see some good defense this year. Maybe it's wishful thinking, but just from this little bit of a preview that we got, you know, in preseason where it doesn't matter, I'm thinking it might be there. I'm thinking we might have it this year. Agreed. I'm thinking, you know. I don't, I don't dis- disagree with that, but here's the thing. Like you just talked about pushing hard. They've got to set the tone. And they already know they can score. Yes, the offense was graceful and beautiful and everything, you know, hold up hands, hallelujah, yes. That's it. They've got to set the tone on the defensive end. If there's going to be a change in culture, philosophy, and execution, it comes on that end because that's the end where they've suffered. So if they're going to go hard, if they're really going to change this season, even in a preseason game, I would rather see them going hard at the defensive rotation at the arc closing out on a shooter than I would going hard on a backdoor cut. Cause I know they can backdoor cut and nobody's right. going to turn that down. I don't want to see a single play where someone's jogging out to the arc to stop somebody. Cause yeah. I think that's been their problem and they have to overcome that kind of mental, emotional, cultural hurdle of we're just going to let the chips fall where they may and score a lot. They've got to go out and win games with this defense. I, I don't expect to see it in game two. I agree with you. That said, I want to see it happening in a micro sense, especially among the starters from the outset of the season. Yeah. And you know, you have to hope that this is going to be contagious because you've got guys like Derek Jones Jr. You've got guys like Gary Trent Jr. You've got these guys who, given the opportunity, are going to go out there and fight for the ball and who are going to go out there and and play defense like we have not had really before. And, and you kind of have to hope that that's going to be contagious, that these other guys are going to step up a little bit and we're going to see that be strengthened. I've said before, and I don't, I don't know if this is accurate, but in my opinion, it's a whole lot easier to learn or adjust to playing better defense than offense. If you can nail your offense, which we seem to have going for us, defense can be more hustle, you know, more whatever. Like you can work on that, in my opinion, a lot easier than you can put together a good offense. So I think the fact that we have the offense going for us and we've got some of these guys who are going to step in and play defense, I think that's hopeful, especially coming from what we did last year, where I think you were the one who said, that our our defensive plan was basically score 200 points and hope the other team doesn't. <laughs> yeah, more or less. That's a good line. I'm glad I said it. I forgot. Yeah, I, I've used it a million times, Dave. It was a great it, it's line. It's yours free. It's my gift to you. Uh, <laughs> in any case, so yes, offense is harder to compensate for when it's lacking. Okay. If a guy yes. can't shoot, you can't make a guy shoot. <laughs> and right. no matter how much, right. no matter how much his teammates do, when he gets the ball, he still can't shoot it and they still can't help. Okay. Defense, you can make up for each other. That's what I need to see. That's what I want to see. That's why this hustle thing and this culture mental change thing is important because of exactly what you said. I expect, I want, I beg uh, Covington and Jones Jr. to get out there and get in the passing lanes, poke away balls, be aggressive, take some risks. What they have to do in order to compensate for that as a team 
is everybody else has to rotate. They have to have their eyes open, they have to have their hearts in it, and they have to have their feet moving. And if that doesn't happen, those risks are, Stotts is going to go, yep, see, this is not good ball here because we're leaving ourselves wide open. And it's going to come to naught, right? So look, I want to see their awareness. I want to see their hustle. Even if it's in nascent form, even if it's not coordinated, I want to see them working hard on that end now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think it's coming. You look at these new guys that we've added and- I know it's not a ton of people. We've got Derek Jones Jr., Robert Covington, Harry Giles. We've got Inez Cantor back. And then CJ Ellaby as our rookie. I mean, all of those guys, maybe not Cantor. We've established this. And I haven't seen enough of CJ Ellaby to know about him. But Derek Jones Jr., Robert Covington, and Harry Giles are all a defensive improvement. I think that that's going to be an advantage for us. And they're also playing good offense and they're fitting in well. And I, man, I'm excited. And then you see things like the videos that are coming out of Derek Jones Jr. dunking and like basically hitting his head on the rim. Essentially, you get that ball anywhere near there and that man's going to dunk it. Like this is going to be fun. This is going to be a fun year. Now let's pick up on this excitement for a minute because I'm going to I'm going to pick on you a little bit, not entirely. But feel free. Okay. Feel free. Listen, folks. We need to, D and I will set a target, number of subscribers or something. If we meet that target, we need to video cast this at least once. Because <laughs> look, D has started this podcast leaning back in the chair or whatever, you know, just kind of, yep, sensible, ready. Within 10, this is why I love this podcast. This is why you should love it. Within 10 seconds, she was on the edge of her seat, literally leaning into the microphone and camera like she was trying to look backwards through a door, you know, spy hole. And then, then the conducting began. It was like, it's like, I you can't. should see this. Or It's orchestrated, this excitement and this defense and it's Heisman poses and it's touchdowns and it's... Uh, a, a symphony conductor you've got to see this so next week before we do this podcast again let's set a minimum and you've got okay. to see this happening now i'm not unexcited i'm <laughs> i move my hands i am but this is next level stuff that's you know, just brilliant there's nothing i can do about this it's ingrained in who i am <laughs> i am just a very easily excited person i'm easily excited i get excited about the smallest things and I am someone that when I am high, I have high highs and low lows. I am, if I, I heard someone say once, if I'm not between like a three and a seven on the emotional scale, I'm crying. Like there's not a lot that gets me this riled up, but Blazers basketball is going to, it's, it'll, it'll do it every time. It'll it's, do it every it's, time. it's wonderful. And Harry Giles, I mean. How can you not like... The dude is just... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, do it. Oh my gosh, just... He's just... He's like... I can't... I, I mean, it was like you just... He... Uh, one of these days I'm going to learn to speak. No, I love this. I'm okay, excited. I just... If you cannot sense this, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's like the emotion is coming out in a <laughs> ball. It's like your dryer just vomited the entire contents of its, uh, you know, the laundry out, spewed it on the floor and you can't keep it, catch up. The brain just can't catch up. I love it. This is, I can't know. That's exactly what's happening. My, the, my brain, my, the words are not coming <laughs> the brain out. Is spinning brain so fast and the door happening. opened. <laughs> it's like, blah. Now, now we have pajamas all over the floor. <laughs> but, but this is awesome. Harry Giles, let's set you up again. <laughs> now that you've yeah, had a second. I think, 
I wonder how much of this has to do with the fact that this was his team. Sacramento was his team. They gave him away. And I know, like, I get that this happens. I get that teams trade. I get that they, but, but there's got to be a sense in which you, there's a part of you that when those trades are made, you just like, it has to hurt. It has to be personal to some degree. Oh, like, that there, there's, yeah. there's no way it can't be a little bit personal. That None. dunk at the end of game one. Remember that dunk? That was the HGFU. That was yeah. <laughs> definitely. Well, and that's, that's the thing is it's like, it's like, even if, even if it was a business move and even if it was necessary and all that stuff at the end of the day, there has to be a part of you that wants to go out there and prove like, Hey, look what you're missing. Look what you did. It's like breaking up with someone. You break, someone breaks your heart and you want to go and, you know, get in shape and be successful and do all these things so that you can look at, so that you can show the person like, Hey dude, look what you're missing. Like you gave this up and now I'm giving it to someone else. That didn't really come out right, but you know what I mean? Well, especially if your new boyfriend or girlfriend puts you on a one-year minimum contract, you know, you you gotta, <laughs> you, you gotta make plans for the future there. So you want to prove your worth and look, Giles, I think, could have come in here, slotted in behind Collins, Nurkic, and Cantor, and just sort of ride out the season and hope his past promise brings him a slightly better deal. I think he's announcing that he does not intend to do that. I think whether it's Portland or somewhere else, this guy is saying, I've been in crazy town for my whole career. This is my first breath of fresh air and freedom. Now look what I can do. And if those, again, preseason, but if those first two games were any indication, this guy can do a lot. He's someone that I watched when we got him and Twitter exploded with Sacramento fans saying, take care of him. We love him. We hope you enjoy him. He was really well loved. Mm -hmm. And it's been interesting now in these first two games the way that Blazers Twitter has exploded mm-hmm. and everybody's like, he's my new favorite. I like this guy. Like he is a fan favorite. <laughs> Zach Collins is doing distracted girlfriend or boyfriend with that. <laughs> you, you know, distracted boyfriend meme. <laughs> it's like Harry Giles is in front and Zach Collins yeah. is like, what? I yeah. was injured, yeah. dude. I'm st- I, I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest. I kind of forgot about Zach here for a few minutes. And I think that that is maybe happening. Uh, not to say, I mean, I want him healthy. I want to see him back. I think he's a great addition to our team. I'm not, I'm not hacking on Zach at all. People are just excited watching these new guys come in. And I, man, okay, so I'm, G- I'm with him. Giles, offense, big hops, big size, and wonderful sense. Much better sense than I thought he had, by the way. And fit right in. You just, you didn't even notice him until he yeah. made a decisive play, which is beautiful for your fourth or fifth guy. That's exactly what you want. You don't want to notice him out of place. You don't want to notice him getting in the way until it's his time to do something. And then boy, do you notice him now? I think his defense, his mobility and size is going to be an asset to what Portland wants to do. And I think when Terry Stotts gets more comfortable with him and Giles gets more comfortable with the system, you might see him edging into reserve center minutes you might see him edging into starting power forward minutes and again we don't want to go overboard but look at the tools he has this is the this is the kit that you want this is the kit that they hope zach collins had now i think collins probably has better defensive instincts than giles does but giles is putting it or has put it all together uh so that's actually i agree with you that's pretty exciting at first blush and I mean, we need Zach because we, we every team has to have a trash talker. 
we can't get rid of Zach because who would who would fill that role? Look, there's going to be a midseason. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, we folks, we we don't want you to hear this. There's going to be a midseason T R A D E at some. I point. can spell, Dave. I can <laughs> well, spell. Sorry, I'm used to dealing with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Uh, in any case, a consolidation trade is somewhat likely, and you have names like Collins in there. Obviously, Giles could be in there too, depend on his commitment to the future and the Blazers' commitment to him. But so the Blazers are sitting pretty for the first time in a long time from that sense as well. Yeah. So yeah. excitement. And we haven't even talked about the other power forward. How about that first game for Carmelo Anthony? Yes. Mellow. I mean, we know that I am a big fan of Mellow. I have not made that a secret. I am a Mellow fan. And I was not sure how this was going to go with Mellow coming off the bench, to be honest. You know, there have been some issues there. He's been a star in his own right. There was a little bit of, of concern, but he came off the bench like a pro. And immediately, immediately, I started hearing talk of sixth man of the year. I mean, people are just all over the place with that. And the fact of the matter is, I mean, I know we're two games in and I know they're preseason games, but I'm all for it. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. But Oh, Dave! Sorry. You're killing me! No, okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, as I guess as a chance of happening, I could be wrong about that, but I don't think he's going to spend enough time with the ball consistently enough to make that work. That said, how beautiful were his shot his setups okay i want look i'm not gonna criticize a hall of famer that's 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 beyond me i just you know he's not been used to passing his entire career he is a capable passer but that's not what he was paid for and it shows okay right but the thing is his instincts were dead on right it's just the execution a little bit and that's exciting too because if he warms into that okay look when you're a kid you want milk chocolate on that ice cream, right? Because sweet, sweet, sweet. And that's kind of what Carmelo was. But when you're an adult, just a little bit of that bittersweet maturity in the dessert just absolutely makes it zing. And if Melo develops that in his offensive game, in terms of passing, in terms of you know moving off the ball and cutting a little bit, in, in terms of maybe even using or setting picks. Now, I'm not, I don't think he's going to be doing that a ton, but if he has a little bit... He is going to be phenomenal. I mean, he's it's going to be seamless. And he's the one, by the way, who's going to make that second unit, unit seamless, along with C.J. McCollum if he plays it, right? Yeah. Those two are what's going to allow everybody else to look great. And I think Carmelo could really flourish in that role. I just think he's going to be yeah. more of a Blazer fans appreciate him and people in the know appreciate him more than six man of the year voters appreciate him. I don't know. I was hearing that from people outside of the Blazer fans. I think it might be. A, I think I, I'm just saying, Dave. I'm just yeah, saying. I mean, he is pretty popular. Yeah. I definitely think he he really, really did well in that spot. And I think, you know, the fact of the matter is, regardless of his age, regardless of his history, the man's got skill. He can play the game and you're putting him in a position where he's basically playing against second string bench players and really tired first string players. So you put him in that position and he's, he's going to shine. Like you said, he's, he's going to be, you know, someone who's used to playing first string, he's going to come in there and he's going to be able to just kill it in that position. And I think the fact that we have such a strong bench this year is huge. I think that's really going to benefit us. 
And that's a critical point because not only are you doing that, but even with the second unit, you're putting him on the floor with Gary Trent Jr., who can shoot, possibly Rodney Hood, who can shoot. Yeah. And Iskander can grab rebounds. And if CJ McCollum is there, he's always an outlet. Now, that's arguably arguably a better lineup than Mello had as a starter in many of his Knicks years. Okay. So you're giving him an opportunity to be more than he was in terms of multidimensional. He'll never be the talent that he was back in those days, but he doesn't need to be. And this, again, all the people like me and like just about everybody else who's ever watched him who say, okay, this guy is a Hall of Famer. He's great, but he's absolutely definable as what Mello is, and that's all he will ever be. If he wants to silence those voices, this is the year he can do it. And I think it's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it's going to, again, this is one of the things I'm really looking forward to watching this year. I'm looking forward to watching Melo come off the bench. I think we're going to see him play in ways that we haven't seen him play before, and I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun. And man, Hood, I was so happy to see Hood back. I, I mean, I don't know if you're done talking about Carmelo Anthony. We can go back to that, but you mentioned Hood, and I just, it's so nice to see him back on the floor. You know, I was sad when Nurk didn't get his entrance into a Moda Center full of people. And I kind of feel the same way with Hood. I wish Hood's return would have been into a Moda Center full of people because those stands would have been on their feet. I think it just it felt really good as a Blazer fan once again to see one of these guys who is badly injured. You know, again, like we talked about at the beginning with Clay, it's just it's traumatic and it's devastating. And we've had several of those lately. And so to see Hood back on the floor, it just it just felt good. Well, this guy's a 40 percent and above three point shooter, too. I mean, let's not forget he was phenomenal. He was on a streak pushing 50 percent. That is irreplaceable. I mean, that coming off the bench, when when has Portland had that? I mean, uh, Seth Curry. Seth Curry was a guy who made that kind of impact, but he was backing up Dame, right? So there was only so much you were going to get out of that position. When have the Blazers had that coming off the bench? And it's exactly what they need because it opens up the floor so wide for guys like Anthony and Cantor. And it makes it impossible for the defense to make definitive choices. If you think you got it covered, you're one pass away from not. And that's such intense pressure to bring off your bench. Yeah. We're just so deep this year compared to what we've been. That's so encouraging because I feel like it's been like last year was tough. It was tough to watch them last year struggle through injuries and struggle through just, I mean, I, I always go back to the game where we dress Anthony Tolliver and put him in as center. Anthony Tolliver is not a center. And we were so hurting for players that that's what we had to do. And I just think it's so exciting. Well, the thing yeah. is, it's not theoretical depth. And every year, Blazer fans say we're deeper, derp, 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 you know, and in some ways it's true. If you look at a certain angle, you can make a case for just about any NBA player, because guess what? They're NBA players. The difference here is not just, oh, these are talented names or whatever. These guys have specific skills that yeah. tangibly help and that also correlate with each other in a way that they should be 
more interchangeable off the bench. This is this is a problem also with depth. Okay, so you have a good three-point shooter coming off the bench. Great. What else can he do? If the answer is not much, then you have no defensive cohesion. And by the way, he can't dribble or penetrate. He's not. He's only a, an endpoint for the offense. And that three-point shooting is great, but it's relatively easy in isolation for the opposing defense to leave a player close to him. If yeah. you've got guys like Trent and Hood working together with Carmelo and all of them can kind of pass and all of them can dribble, dribble a little bit and they've got three point shots, all of a sudden you've got the defense moving constantly, not because they're super talented, but because on a given play, you have to account for all of them in at least two or three ways. That's a weapon coming off the bench. Yeah. It's crazy to me to look at where we came from and where we're going to be this year and just all the possible combinations. I mean, we've talked the last couple episodes about different combinations that could come off the bench. I just think it's going to be so much fun to watch. I, I hope that we get to see some of these combinations. I hope that we get to see them mix it up a little bit. Knock on wood. This is not really about them playing, but one of the things that I noticed about this game that I thought was so cool was at one point Dame was kind of on the sidelines uh, coaching. Like he's talking to the guys, he's kind of telling them. And I, you know, I never, this is so early to be even considering or talking about this, but I never thought about it, but I wonder if Dame's going to have a future as a coach. It will be interesting to see if he thinks it's financially and career wise worth it because he will be set up. He already is set up for the rest of his life and beyond. So there's not going to be that kind of life or financial probably obligation. And coaching is thankless and it's a heck of a lot of work. I mean, truth yeah. be told, other than bald physical work, it's a lot more hours, probably a lot more stress than playing. I mean, right. you play, you practice, the game's done. Yes, you think about it, but you can let it go and do something. As a coach, you don't get to let it go ever. Uh, you're on to the next game trying to evaluate what's going on. So long story short, does Lillard want to put himself up for that kind of heartache and stress and scrutiny? Maybe, but he'd really have to love the game to do it. And if he does, I think it's probably indicative that that's exactly what's going on, which will probably make him a good coach. Yeah, I think he'd be a great coach. I mean, I, I think you're right. I think everything you said is right. And I think not everyone who is a good player is cut out to be a coach. But I think we hear these stories over and over and over from the different players on the team that talk about the way that Dame brings out the best in them and how he has helped them do this and that and the other thing. And, you know, you see him on the sidelines talking to these young guys and coaching them, essentially. I can't help but think, man, I feel like he'd be such a good coach. Uh, maybe we'll see that one day. Man, Dame as a coach in Portland one day, I could get on board with that. Is there anyone more expert in Terry Stott's offense than Damian Lillard? I mean, nope. they've been together since the beginning. He's not just an extension of the coach. I think at some point, Portland's top players and their coaching staff become like a three-headed dog at the gates of Hades. They're just one being with different expressions. They're interchangeable probably in terms of how they think. If anybody's going to yeah. coach Stott's game, Dame's going to be able to tell you how to do it. So yeah, I, I think that's a natural progression right now for him with this team. Maybe it will be a natural progression beyond his yeah. career. You know CJ's going into media, right? I mean, this is right. nearly a foregone conclusion. If Lillard went into something like that, or you know what else Lillard could be, though? Lillard could probably be a GM. 
I could see oh, him yeah. being face of the franchise there even more than I yeah. could see him coaching. I think that man's got a bright future in whatever he decides to do. I think he he's built that for himself. And I think I would not be surprised for us to see him continue on in some way after his career is over. Not that we're anywhere near that. Not that I'm ready to even begin to think about Dame retiring, but I'm just saying that was that was pretty cool to see that little flash. And and I also saw, you know, um, Bruce Eli, the the team photographer, always posts some cool pictures. And there was one picture of CJ Ellaby with Carmelo Anthony and Mello is obviously talking to him about whatever. And it occurs to me when I see things like this, especially with these younger guys and these older veterans, these guys. CJ was like two or three years old when Mello started playing. And so if CJ grew up, Ellaby, I need to, uh, we need a nickname for him because this is going to get confusing. CJ, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, something. But he, if he grew up watching basketball, he grew up watching Carmelo Anthony. And so to be, you know, a, a year ago sitting in a dorm room, I think somebody tweeted something about this and I thought it was so profound. Like a year ago, he's sitting in a dorm room and now he's standing on an NBA court with Carmelo Anthony giving him advice. And it's just this, like, this has to be this mind blowing thing for a young player that just got drafted into the NBA. And here he is. It's just, it's crazy. And I just think that that's such a cool thing. And I think it's cool to see guys like Melo and guys like Dame who are out there and they're talking to these guys and they're investing in them Instead of just acting like, oh, you're a rookie, carry my bag. And I'm not saying that doesn't go on. I'm sure there's plenty of that. But I appreciate the fact that they seem to really make an effort to build and pour into these guys. Part of Portland culture, probably. It seems like that's evolving in terms of, look, we don't know how long you're going to be here. I mean, in Ellaby's right. case, we don't. He's set up well to make the roster because they're not going to go out and get someone else. Uh, right. But he's a second round pick and there's no guarantees. But the attitude seems to be with everyone. Don't know how long you're going to be here. Might be a year, might be a month. But when you're here, you belong. We play this way and we interact this way. And you're a part of that. And that's yeah. actually pretty strong. I, I, I like that. Uh, I heard someone talking about, like, for instance, LeBron adjusting to Miami and Dwayne Wade being a big part about of that process when LeBron went down there. And it was a change from Cleveland to Miami. Not only is it a change from Washington State, Pullman, Washington, for God's sake, great Italian restaurant there and a few other things, but it's Pullman. That's a massive change. But you know what? The change from the Kings to the Blazers is also pretty massive at this point. And by the way, a lot of other franchises. And it's nice that Portland is starting to distinguish themselves in that way. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's a good place to be. I think as a rookie coming in and being drafted, there's, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of places you can go, but I feel like Portland's a great place to, to end up because of exactly that. I think, you know, there, there's, we talk so much about culture, I know, but there's a reason for that. And I think coming in as a rookie, it's, it's a great place to be. And, I, but he's, he's shown some promise. You can tell he's obviously, he's obviously a rookie. He's obviously kind of getting his footing, figuring things out. I think he might come out and, and, and do something for us. I think he might be somebody that, that maybe becomes a, you know, a talent for us. I, I like that. He's trying. I mean, a lot of people go out there and they kind of shrink. And he doesn't seem yep. to be the type who's shrinking away. He's going no. for plays. He's trying to put himself in position. I, I love that. It, it seems like there's not a lot of bashfulness in him or quit. 
which is great. Yeah. That's a great start. He's got a ways to go. I think we probably won't see him a ton this year. I mean, knock on wood. Yeah. It's probably either injuries or he just proved me really wrong. I hope it's the latter. But yeah, I mean, I, I see what I can see where you're going with that. We have to see a lot more, but there have been a lot worse second round picks and training camp invites and yep. preseason players than he is. So maybe the Blazers got a little something. Absolutely. I mean, we, I don't even want to go into that. I can't, I just can't. Our past with picking, anyway, we've, we've drafted some good ones. So right. we're just gonna, we're just gonna go with that. We're gonna hope that this is one of those and not a, you know, he's a guard, right? This is the, this is the strength. This situation. is the mega strength. The shining example, if if Neil O'Shea had like a, a Pokemon card or something, this would be his 10 out of 10 stat is drafting guards, right? So he's a guard. True, true. So there you go. I mean, there's reason, there's justification to put hope in him at this point. There's so much to be excited about this year. I think all of those things that we're excited about individually, hopefully will come together and work well and mean that we get a lot of wins and mean that we go to the Western Conference Finals and mean that we win the Western Conference Finals and, you know, then we'll go from there. But I'm hoping that we see some major playoff time. I'm hoping that we make it far. I'm, I'm hoping that this is the year. And I know, I know we're up against a lot. I know that the West is stacked. I know the freaking Lakers got better than they were last year. I know, I know. But the fact of the matter is, I want to see Dame win a ring. I want to see us make a run for it while he's still in his prime. And it seems like the the front office wants to do the same because these were good moves. And I think they are setting us up for those kinds of things. And I think we are moving in the right direction. Let's stop for a second, though. The West is stacked. We hear that over and over again. And I don't disagree, but there are different definitions of stacked. And... One definition of stacked is like True. there are three or four teams at the top of the conference who are all NBA elite teams and are going to compete for the finals no matter what and would in any era. I don't believe that the West is stacked in that way. I believe the West is stacked in that there are there's one very good team that just won the championship and there are probably some other teams that you would call very good and there are a lot of teams that you would call good to very good and all of those very good and good to very good teams might end up in the heap together. And there's a lot of them. It's stacked in that sense. You can't guarantee anything. And every night's going to be a tough night, or most nights are. That's actually open opportunity for the Blazers. You know that, right? They're not going up against a murderer's row of three teams that are vastly superior. They got to find a way to kind of stay ahead of everybody else and beat the Lakers when it's time. That's it. That's also the job description of literally everybody else in the conference except the Lakers. I don't see that as the kind of stacked that should worry Portland that bunch at this point. I see that as as opportunity. Yeah, you heard me go off when those ESPN standings came out. I think Portland could beat every team in the conference. I mean, I'm not saying that we're going to win it all. I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic. I know that's a, a turn of events for me. I'm usually just flying off the handle about how we're going to win it all. But I'm trying to be cautious this year. And I'm trying to, you know, take a little step back and, and be as realistic as possible. But the fact of the matter is, I think we have a chance. I think looking at this, you're right. You know, there there's obviously talent, but we have talent too. 
I think we have a chance. I think you look at any of the teams in the West, and I think Portland could be an equal matchup to those teams. I think Portland could push any of those teams to a seven-game series. I think Portland can compete in the West this year. That's, I mean, you've hit it there. Portland is obviously an, on any given night, they can play anybody well team right now if they're healthy. I, I don't think that's in doubt. They can even beat the Lakers on a given night if they're healthy. I don't think that's in doubt. Can they win four out of seven? That's the question. That's the only question that matters here. And that's been their Achilles heel, is that they've had enough weaknesses, enough holes, enough either predictable style of play or not enough viable alternatives when the opponent shuts down their first and second options. That's where they've suffered. Do they have enough other options and enough wrinkles in their play now to where they can withstand a dedicated, focused, good opposing defense and prevail? We're not going to know that till we get to the end of the season, but that's definitely what they need to gear toward. If ever there was a year, it sure seems like this might be it. Magic year, huh? Well, you heard it from Dia I, first. Hoping. I mean, she's she's calling it right now. Portland Trailblazers, 2021 NBA champions. Wait a second. Wait a second. Didn't I get done saying I was being cautiously optimistic? That For you, that is cautiously optimistic. You're not predicting a dynasty. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. You're right. I didn't say that they would, you know. <laughs> Become Warriors part two. I mean, because, you know, financially, they're going to have to pay a ton in order to keep this team together. So it's unlikely they'll run a dynasty with here. But, you know, uh, the NBA championship, that's cautiously optimistic in Dia Miller's it's, it's work. It's cautious, cautiously optimistic. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's totally realistic. This is what we value about it. So anything else before we say goodbye? No, you know, I mean, the only other thing that I really am kind of excited for is is, is the fan cutouts. The, there, there was oh, an announcement those, made yeah. about... What's that? Yeah, I just agreed with you. I was reacting to you. Yeah. Sorry, folks, we're having Zoom connectivity problems a little bit. So Dia's like uh, uh, on the overseas satellite <laughs> correspondent <laughs> who has to wait like 10 <laughs> seconds to hear whatever it is I'm saying. So I'll keep my mouth shut. You talk about fan cutouts. <laughs> I just I just think it's really cool. You know, in a, in a year of pandemic where fans can't be in the stadiums, Portland has announced that they are offering the fan cutouts, which I, we've seen you know, throughout other, I know Major League Baseball's done it. I know NFL's done it. I know some other things are doing it. It's kind of a cool thing. You can you can pay ninety nine dollars and have your own cardboard cutout in the stands. They're making them for pets. They're making them for all kinds of things. Ninety nine bucks gets you in the stands for every game for the first half of the season. I think that's a pretty good deal. And it beats the heck out of the cardboard cutout of Hassan Whiteside they were playing defense with last year. So, I mean, you, you can't lose. Oh, Oh, Sorry, burn. I, I, I couldn't resist. In any case, I didn't know you had that in you. Oh, you are. Uh, I keep it bottled up for Blazer's Edge. Oh, you know, we have a reputation and we're we're fairly even keel and stuff. Oh, you have no idea what I say. is gone now that he's gone, apparently. <laughs> no, actually, that's one of the things I've always disliked about some of the Portland culture is that talk smack about people after they're gone and say they're, you know, world beaters when they're here. For the record, I was kind of talking smack about Hassan Whiteside when he was here, too. So I've been, I, I mean, I've been I was talking smack about Hassan Whiteside when he was here. That should tell you something. Hey, if Dia's talking smack about you, you've got a problem. <laughs> so 
<laughs> Hassan White said, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm so sorry. I really like following you on social media. Well, and also he put up enormous <laughs> stats and he did what he could in a transitional trying year. He just wasn't going to be the kind of guy to play the defense that Portland needed. He's a good defender in his own right, in his own way. That way is not Portland's way. So there you go. Maybe it'll be Sacramento's way, except Sacramento doesn't have a way except for cuckoo. So, I mean, we'll see how he fits in. Hopefully he'll land somewhere that's wonderful for him. So anyway, are you going to get a cutout? You know about it. I think if I were to do it, I would I would like to do it for my daughter. I think she would be tickled by that. But I, I don't know if we'll actually come out and do it. I think it, it it's, you know, it's a really fun thing. But but I haven't actually bit the bullet and done it yet. Do you know how to do it? Not that we're an advertisement for the Blazers, but is it on their website or something? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, uh, we just posted about it on Blazer's Edge. So there is an article up that gives all the information, but I think it's, uh, I think it's just trailblazers.com slash cutouts or something like that. Did I you don't just know. Come, Google it. Did you just come back at me with Dave, you should read Blazer's Edge sometime? <laughs> hey, you wow. know that, you know, that run? it's, uh, it's all there. You can find it there. <laughs> you just saw on white sided me. That's not good. <laughs> All right, with that, is that going to be is that a new thing now? Or are we are we going to call? We're going to we're going to white side each other. That's right. Zoom is trying its best to end this podcast. <laughs> Maybe we should listen to it before we end up <laughs> lobbing insults at each other uh, across the miles. Uh, fired. We, we, <laughs> we want to be. A, did you fire me? Did you just say you're fired? No, I'm saying. No, I'm saying before we end up you're, being fired. Oh, you're taking this Dave and Dia thing a little farther. I can't, I can't fire you. The last Ma- managing I checked, editor I Dia Miller. <laughs> oh, I don't want that job. Please don't make me do that job. Welcome to Dia's Edge. <laughs> don't get we have, we have completely side. lost control of this podcast. It has gone off the rails. <laughs> And delightfully so. We are glad you are here with us. We will be back again next week. By then, the preseason will be over. We'll be gearing up for the regular season. In fact, let's see. This is the, what, 15th right now when we're recording? You'll hear it on the 17th. But when we record again, it will be the start opening night of the NBA season. So we will preview the season, talk about all the things that we're looking forward to. For Dia Miller, uh, hopefully I will be here next week. If she doesn't fire me, I'm Dave Deckard, and we will see you all again this time next week. (laughs) This has been Dave and Dia, a Blazer's Edge production. Find more basketball talk at blazersedge.com. Watch your step as you exit, and we hope to see you again soon. Dave and Dia, what is that? A Swedish skin cream company?